providing your regular dose of all things gridiron. Welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast. Welcome back, gents. Hello. Ah, the Tiny Terror's back. He is indeed. I love that this nickname is sticking. It's um, well, very it's, enjoyable. It's a banger. And um, we're back together because, gentlemen, this is how it ends. And normal, you know, well, never normal, right? Always better than anything else you'd find on a podcast. But our familiar flow of reviewing scores in games, picking out the most important players and plays, well, this came down to one game, one tie. So we have an absolute bumper pod full of nothing other than Super Bowl jibber-jabber. And um, thank goodness it was a good one with plenty to talk about. Um Aldrin, before we go round and before I do um, our final score recap of the season, which won't take me long, rating the Super Bowl out of 10? I would say a solid 8, 8.5. Oh, 8.5 from Aldrin, JB? I would, I would give it a 10 out of 10. Thank you very much. Wow. I'm pulling the average down slightly with an 8, but okay. only the second time in the history of the sport's biggest games that it went to overtime. Anyone remember the last one? Not, not this week's quiz question. Uh, Brady and the Patriots, their comeback against the Falcons was the, uh, the first time. So yeah, to have two teams this close or at least this close by the end was certainly a bit of an oddity. Um, but the chiefs making a habit under Andy Reid in Super Bowls of coming back from 10 point deficits so plenty to throw ourselves into. Um, but just to keep some air of uh, normality and consistency to proceedings, um, I will start with the shortest uh, score recap of the season and then throw ourselves straight into a big game themed um, no Google all noodle. So yeah, throw ourselves into that pretty quickly as well. So um under a rock, worry not, although I think even if you don't follow American football, you'll find it hard to have missed this one. Um, in the sport's biggest game in Las Vegas with the lights shining brightest, it took overtime for the Kansas City Chiefs to get two wins towards that magical three-peat, um, in the end winning 25 points to 22. There you go, I said it was brief, there it is. Um, and we'll roll round to this at the end of our conversation. But are you all ready for a bit of no Google, all noodle? Yes. So this week's question has a kind of Super Bowl-ish theme. Um, with their win in the Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs moved to 24 playoff victories in their franchise history. Can you name... The top three teams with the most playoff wins in franchise history. And to give you the slightest of clues, even with that win on Sunday, the Kansas City Chiefs do not make the top five, let alone the top three. So in their history, the three teams with the most playoff victories will be rolling back to that at the end of the pod. But um, right, tradition dictates I'm coming to you, Aldrin. Um, why not give us your thoughts on what was a highly competitive and in the end, very dramatic Super Bowl 58? I think that was the key thing that it was competitive because I don't know. So many of the previous Super Bowls have been not super competitive for long stretches of time. And then one team has, you know, kind of taken over. I'm, you know, I'm thinking a few 
seasons ago when the Chiefs lost and it was utterly one-sided. And we didn't have that. We had a, a relatively back-and-forth game. We had um, relatively good play from both teams. You know, I didn't think there was any real standout stinkers from particular players. I thought everybody um, played pretty solid games. And I think it just came down to a few key moments on special teams. And that, for me, was the thing that really turned the tide of the game. Um, But yeah, I thought it was a, a great Super Bowl and one where I I feel like the right team won because there's no there wasn't any luck you know there wasn't any um, I guess dodgy refereeing calls or anything like that it felt like both teams went hammer and tongs at one another and then the best team that could put more points on the board put more points on the board and I think that's it you know the if I look at how the game went, if I was just watching the first three quarters of the game, which inexplicably I was while I was sat in an airport lounge. Um, but if you look at that, you think the 49ers have got to win this game because they were looking pretty solid. They were consistent on both sides of the ball. And the fact is, is that that isn't how Super Bowls or NFL games are won. It's four quarters of action and you've got to um, continue to beat your opponent when you're playing well and they're not playing maybe as well. And um, yeah, I thought it just came down to a few moments, but that's so often the case in the wonderful sport that we love is that it can change with just a handful of moments. And that's really what it felt like. Yeah, so... I'm kind of with you that I think the better team won. I mean, I was sitting here watching the game with JB and the thing I kept saying, and, and we'd said it on the, the previous pod when we were previewing um, the big game, it was around really for me about low scoring. And I just kept saying low scoring suits the chiefs, you know, low scoring yeah. absolutely plays yeah, into yeah. their hands and the lower the score remained for the longer it remained that way. It felt like Patrick Mahomes with the ball in his hand in the fourth quarter um, was always going to be um, decisive in that type of game. It's also funny how much of a of a mirror image it was of the Ravens game. You know, two games where the Chiefs ultimately needed to stop the run. And despite, I mean, it was the first drive, wasn't it? Which I think oddly ended up with, with him fumbling the ball. But Christian McCaffrey looked actually really good in the first drive. And then it felt like they never really got the run game going. Actually, the second quarter and th- third quarter, there were a lot of short drives that didn't really go anywhere. So you could maybe argue the same yeah. for both teams. Um, but I said a couple of weeks ago, I wonder if when we get to the end of this season, it will feel predictable and we'll be able to look back for all the games we've picked and for all the storylines that we've woven. Would it look predictable when the dust had settled? And of course it did. You know, this was the season of, you know, whether you like it or not, Taylor Swift and the Chiefs, It was the Kelsey storyline all along. And of course, the Kansas City Chiefs have gone back to back. Of course, they have. As Patrick Mahomes said afterwards, you know, the Chiefs are never favourites or never not favourites, actually, to get a bit of light OTs in. You know, never not favourites. They're the defending champs. They're, you know, due that level of respect. And they were there for a reason that, again, I mean, you've got to mention Spags. You've got to mention Chris Jones. You've got to mention the players who absolutely came up big in this playoff run. And the nice thing is that Mahomes was only one of them. I still think the wide receivers were a little bit 
anonymous at times. I still think it felt too much like a running back, a quarterback and a tight end on offense and, and yeah. not a great deal else. Um, but like I say, in low scoring games, that's all it took. And congratulations to the Chiefs. So, um, JB, what do you think about the game that was? So I think, so going back to the question that you asked Aldrin, was it predictable? You know, did the better team win? And I think, yes, the better team won as the game got on because the Chiefs didn't start the better of those two teams. The Niners were absolutely the class of that field. Um, I think you, Aldrin's right in calling out like a very, very clean game for both teams. Like not a lot of penalties and especially not of like game affecting penalties. This wasn't like the AFC championship game with the Chiefs and the Ravens where the Ravens just continually got in their own way. But we talk an awful lot about America's game moments. Those moments you see in a game where you think this is the thing that they're going to point to, like whoever does the voiceover, like Paul Rudd, if it's the Chiefs, or maybe even Taylor Swift, they'll point to this was the moment that the game changed. And ultimately for me, I think it was that 22-yard run by Patrick Mahomes, was it in the fourth, when they really started to come alive. And I, we, I think I said to you and PB, who we watched with as well, Brock Purdy was so Brock Purdy was so calm and so level and just did absolutely everything he could to not be. Was it someone said he wasn't a game manager? He was a game executive, which was great. But Patrick Mahomes just took the balls like I want the ball. I am going to lead us, follow me, and did. And they needed that passion. They needed that drive to do it. But I think the Niners also suffered from the fact that we didn't get a lot from, like, the big play. Like, Ayuk didn't really do a lot. Chris Conley was the big wide receiver, the big offensive player that we were talking about because Christian McCaffrey started really well and finished really well, and they just seemed to go away from him in the middle. We didn't get a lot from Debo, who picked up an injury. But I think for the Niners, it feels an awful lot like when Dre Greenlaw, I think it was, what pulled did his Achilles in. Yeah, running, running onto the field. field after a special and teams. Yeah. You see something like that happen, you just think that's that's the sign that this the breaks aren't going to go the 49ers' way. What they need to do is make sure it doesn't come down to leaving the Chiefs in this, and that's what they did. Like, um, you think about some of like the big, uh, the big, uh, big game victories in the past, and I think of something like the Tampa Bay Oakland Raiders game uh, for in uh, 02. The Buccaneers absolutely dominated that from from start to finish and did not miss an opportunity to score points. The uh, the Chiefs gave up the ball, was it two or three times to the Niners? I think it was two twice. The Niners got takeaways and scored no points off them. All you are doing is leaving the door open for that Kelsey and Mahomes connection to pull the Chiefs back into it. And it is kind of what happened. And honestly, you, you kind of look at it and think, is this asking questions about Kyle Shanahan? Because that the, the offense didn't seem to have answers to it. Well, let's stick with the 49ers then, if we're talking about Shanahan. So I think you're right about Brock Purdy. I think he had a good game. 23 of 38, just over 250 yards. 
But there are some obvious omissions when you start looking down the stat sheet. So, I mean, you think about how important um, a player like George Kittle is, you know, particularly how you rely on tight ends third down. He ends the game with, what, two catches for four yards. Ayuk, no impact on the game at all. He was held to less than 50. In fact, every wide receiver for the 49ers was held to less than 50. Even Juwan Jennings, who actually not only obviously caught a TD, but threw a TD. Um, but I mean, Jennings looked like the one player who had a little bit of spark. He seemed to be the one guy who was getting open. Um, but yeah, Ayuk and Debo just weren't at it, were they? And you, you felt like a lot of those plays, like the sweeps or the short passes, you know, that the 49ers tend to favor ways to just keep a defense, you know, slightly wrong footed and, and ways to keep the ball moving you just felt like the linebackers and the line for the chiefs were just swarming, you know, the whole game, it just felt like they swarmed. And, and for me, if there's a, if there's a criticism of Shanahan, and I think it's tough to criticize any coach that gets to the Super Bowl and then finds themselves, you know, in, in this type of predicament, but that third quarter to get no points in a third quarter and to just have all of that advantage, they'd spent the whole first half building just effectively ebb away in what was a couple of semi-decent drives for the Chiefs, just felt a bit of a killer. And and I mean, weirdly, it didn't feel like it watching, but you look back now, and obviously the 49ers outscored the Chiefs in the fourth quarter. But even in that fourth quarter, even with San Francisco scoring more points, it just felt, I don't know, it felt like they'd lost a bit of momentum. It felt like they weren't able to move the ball easily. Um but yeah, I, I don't think you can put this on Purdy. It's funny because so often this season, you know, you've had the Cam Newton argument that he's nothing like the best player on the field for the 49ers. I felt him and what Bosa maybe were, were probably the two who can be really, really happy with a, with a good day's work. Um, a couple yeah. of others just, just didn't have the type of impact, not only that you'd expect, but I think that the 49ers needed against an opponent like Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it, isn't it? It's, I, I, like I said, I don't think anybody played particularly badly, but certainly I, I didn't really feel like there was many individual standouts. You know, like, I, I'm, don't get me wrong, Mahomes is phenomenal, but I didn't feel throughout the game that he was playing his best football that I've ever seen him play. You know, there was a lot of times where he was hustled and harried, but harried by Bosa and Young and and didn't make connections. And, you know, there were stretches of the game where he wasn't stretching the field massively. Don't get me wrong. There's moments where he does. But, you know what, it wasn't like an unbeatable Mahomes performance. You know, he was he was there to be beaten. There was takeaways available. There was stops that the 49ers made and could make. But it it had that air of inevitability. And I think one of the things that um, made me smile was I read something the other day that said um, Mahomes is sticking to his Super Bowl pre-week routine. I think that just says it all. You know, this team and Mahomes in particular are a team and a group of players that are accustomed to being in this game, that know what it takes to win this game. And like you said, Rob, a low scoring affair suited them because they're not phased by it. And Mahomes getting, I don't know, 
into the red zone and being stopped on third down doesn't feel like the end of the world, like it might do for Purdy, say. And I'm I'm not saying he had a bad game at all, but, you know, when Purdy gets stopped at third and two, you don't think, oh, they're definitely going to go for it and make it. Whereas when Mahomes does, you kind of feel like, well, he's probably going to convert it, like he's going to find Kelsey or he's going to move or he's going to run. And, and in fact, I thought he was best when he did his Lamar Jackson impression and took off because there's moments in that game where the 49ers did everything you want to stop a guy that is one of the best passers in the league, if not the best passers in the league, where you blanket a receiver and a tight end and you don't give him anything. But then when that happened, he saw the five yards and he took it and he got them a first down in critical moments. So, um, yeah, it's one of those that I think the 49ers will be disheartened because the game was there to be won. It's not like you could say that Mahomes or Kelsey or anybody on the Chiefs had that unbeatable kind of play. Um, but there's just an inevitability to the Chiefs and Mahomes in winning big games, and so it proved. Well, I think you've, you've made an interesting point there around, I think, preparation or, you know, or expectations, because one of the big stories obviously since since the the game finished is the amount of 49ers players who have come out and admitted they didn't know overtime rules had changed they they didn't know it was a case of everybody is guaranteed to get a possession whereas the chiefs were openly like we they they were aware of the rules they had prepared and drilled in in the preparation this is different and this is something we need to prepare for does that mean, you know, did that have a, a key impact in the game? Well, no, probably not. But I think it's just another case of, and again, kind of like I was saying before, this is another incident where looking at the coaching and looking at the preparation for the Niners versus the Chiefs made the difference. But I think something else you said there, Aldrin, around, you know, did Patrick Mahomes have his best game ever? No. Were there any amazing performances, like game-wide? No. But what we did see is when the 49ers needed a spark or needed something special, it didn't really come from anywhere. When the Chiefs like were with their backs to the wall in the sense of we have to go down and make this kick or it's game over, you saw that Chiefs offense and those Chiefs players come to life because they, I think, understood and realized we need to give more here. I think I made a couple of jokes about this on um, on uh, Sunday night uh, slash Monday morning. But to borrow from Dan Fouts and the Waterboy, the Chiefs realised last game of the year can't hold anything back. There was a lot. I mean, so Mahomes didn't have his best game statistically, but then Mahomes and the Chiefs don't play that way anymore. You know, so much of what they do is short. And, and for Mahomes to not have his best game, you know, who was the number one rusher for the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday? Well, it was Patrick Mahomes, 66 yards against Pacheco, who rounded out at 50. You've then got Christian McCaffrey, who achieved 80 on the ground. He was actually best through the, the air for the 49 as well with, with another 80 yards receiving. But you look not only at the yards Mahomes had, but when he had those yards, those fourth down plays, when he basically has those sweeps and those run pass options, it's like nobody prepares better for those situations than Andy Reid. And it wasn't the tush-push 
you know, it wasn't, you know, all of these formulas that people have found in the very short yardage situations on fourth and one and fourth and two. It was the mind of Andy Reid and it was the execution of Patrick Mahomes. I think one of the more amazing things is we need to talk about the kickers. Um, obviously, the record for the longest field goal in Super Bowl history was broken twice um, by both teams. But the, the weird thing was, other than the extra point, which was an oddity, you know, it, it didn't come off his foot in the right area. It was very low. It was there to be blocked, all of those things. But actually, all of the distance field goals, none of them looked like missing. I mean, actually, the shorter <laughs> ones were the slightly more problematic ones. You know, they weren't quite down the middle from, from either. But the longer field goals in a pressure game like that, I just thought they were sensationally good. Yeah. I mean, I, I, for me, the, the game turned on two kicks. And it was the muffed punt by the 49ers um, that was just, I don't know, a bit of a fluke. You just so rarely see that sort of play where it came off one of the um, the chasing defenders' legs. And, there, it, it, you know, it originally looked like a, a not a, a miss or a flap by um, the returner, but it wasn't his fault. You know, he saw that it came off his leg and made a play to try and get the ball off the ground after it became active. Um, but for me, that that turned the game and the blocked field goal because I think that blocked field goal changes the entire context of the game because the Chiefs don't have the option to kick a field goal at the end of the game with seconds left. You know, they have to go for... They have to go for it on fourth because a field goal doesn't cut it. And I, I think I, I mean, I was in a very different country, but I messaged you guys and said that blocked field goal could be critical. You know, I was only half watching that play because, I don't know, field goals seem to have been so routine recently, and particularly with good kickers, you know, it's just not been a, an often occurrence that they miss them. But the fact that it got blocked, I think, was the most critical play of the game because I, I, I genuinely think it changes the complexion of that final, that final um, quarter and that final series of plays because the Niners are up four points rather than three and it doesn't give the Chiefs the option to take it to overtime. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I thought it was... I saw something funny as well. Somebody ranting that the 49ers shouldn't... Um, have taken the ball first in overtime. And I think that's nonsense, really, because if you go and put seven points on the board, uh, they were saying, oh, well, you give the Chiefs four downs. And it's like, yeah, but you force the Chiefs to have four downs because they have to get a touchdown. It's the, it was the same with that blocked field goal. If you can go out and put yourself a score ahead, then a field goal doesn't cut it. You know, they have to... They have to force something. They have to force a play, and then you trust your defense to make a stop. And I thought that was true in, in both cases. You know, if the, if that field goal doesn't get blocked, it's a different complexion to the game. The 49ers go and score seven in overtime. It's a different complexion to the game. You know, it's just different. So, would it have changed the outcome? Maybe not. But um, yeah, I I just think that kind of critical moment. I thought special teams for the Chiefs. So I I, I think was it Romo or whoever was saying that special teams is a real strength of the chiefs and it 
was no more evident than in the biggest game in football because they made clutch plays when they had to be made. Um, yeah, they block a, they block the field goal, but they also create that muffed punt and they get the recovery and all of those kind of things. I, I just thought they were near flawless in that regard because, like you said, Rob, yeah, they um, they broke the longest field goal records in Super Bowl. Well, you know, Bucker had to do that after um, the 49ers had done it. You know, I think what was his 57 or something? That's a long kick and certainly a long kick to make in such an important game. Jake Moody did well, didn't he? Other than that, missed extra point. Well, the, something that's sort of in the back of my mind, just as you were talking there, Aldrin, was obviously all of the criticism that was directed towards Dan Campbell after the NFC Championship game because the Lions went for it twice on fourth down and didn't get it instead of kicking a field goal, which from that distance you assume would have been an automatic three and three points, six total, which would have won them the game clear. But the the argument against that was, I think, Dan Campbell's admittance that we need points. We can't keep just being a field goal ahead. We have to make sure we're putting distance amongst us. And I think that was almost the reverse of what we saw. The 49ers settling for field goals, not running create like some of the creative stuff that we've seen from the Niners, like over the season and over the years just seemed to disappear. And they seemed like a team that were perfectly happy to stay three points ahead of the chiefs and not really push it. And the big thing that we saw from that is you just can't do that. You, you can't end up in a situation there. The only thing on that though, I, I mean, as much as it didn't happen for, Shanahan um one of the things that that definitely is apparent to me is that he was trying and you saw that actually at the very end of the game where he called that timeout because Steve Wilkes was playing like prevent defense he'd got all of his his kind of secondary playing off by five or six yards and he just calls the timeout to say to his DC you know this isn't the game we're playing you know play the situation you've got to play this type of occasion you know, we need to be so much more aggressive. So so I think Shanahan was aware. It, it's weird, though, because I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to make this our, our next topic in a minute. But but before I get there, it's weird, though, because the stats don't really tell the tale on defense. There's a pretty good stat line for the likes of, say, Nick Bosa, um, as I've mentioned. But actually, the guy on the other side, Chris Jones for the Chiefs, ends the game with four total tackles, two combined, two solo. Yet I can't remember a player having more of a disruptive impact on a game and and kind of really putting pressure on, on an offensive line and quarterback quite the way he did. So it's one of those weird things where look at the end, the defense, the plays, maybe you could question. But it's also you know, players needed to stand up and have big games. You know, players had the opportunity to be game winners. And for me, the Chiefs just did that better than um, better than the 49ers, as you just said, Aldrin, in those key moments. Now, where I lead this conversation then, my next question to you both would be, the Chiefs obviously have gone back-to-back. First time it's been done for 20-odd years since Brady. And, and obviously the Brady and Patriots comparisons are are, you know, very relevant. Not only has Mahomes done what Brady has done, which is basically win again with a 
probably lesser supporting cast around him, you know, find a, a formula with, and I mean, I think Brady had better wide receivers than we saw Mahomes run onto the field with on um, Sunday. But the thing for me that stands out now is if Mahomes can do that with that type of supporting cast on offense, I don't think they need to add many key pieces to actually get quite a bit better. You know, I think there will be receivers available at reasonable money that can improve that receiving core. I believe that there'll be running backs deep into the draft that can, you know, add a little more to what Pacheco's able to do, for example. So I suppose the question I'm rolling around to now is, look, Big Red's getting on, Chris Jones is getting on, Spags is getting on. Is there another Super Bowl in the Chiefs? Are we a year away from a Jordan-like three-peat that absolutely puts Mahomes and maybe even Kelsey and Reed and others suddenly on a par with Brady, Belichick and Gronk? I mean, yeah, of course it's there because whilst you mentioned some of those guys are getting older, even though Mahomes is getting older, he is a long way, a long way from you know, being the age that Tom Brady retired at. Um, there's plenty of years left in him, and I think he gives them as much of a chance as they need because, like you say, I if I look back at this season, the Chiefs were not good for long stretches. There was, you know, periods of of the season early on where none of the receivers could catch, it felt like. Kelsey was in a bit of a lull and you were questioning, you know, has age finally caught up with him? Um, And you just kind of felt like, oh, maybe they're not at it. You know, this is just not going to be their season. They've just got a weak team. And yet here we sit with them as Super Bowl champions and looking every bit Super Bowl champions in that final biggest game of the year. So I think the fact that Mahomes is still around gives them that shot. I do worry that some of those key players, like you say, are another year older. I think um, the two game winners for them are impending free agents, Chris Jones and Mecole Hardman. I mean, you might say Mecole Hardman, um, you know, isn't anything particularly special and hasn't shown anything, but I think he's caught um, the winning touchdown in the last two Super Bowls for the Chiefs. So, um it's, he might not have been as stellar throughout the season, but equally these are players that make big plays in big moments. Um, Kelsey's another year older, and again, I do worry because he had he's probably had a really great stretch of games after their bye week, but before that, he I hate to say it, he looked older, and he looked like he wasn't getting the, the space or openness that he's maybe been used to. Um, so there's obviously big question marks. There always are when teams win Super Bowls because suddenly guys need to get paid and guys leave. Um, and that creates plenty of turnover. But I I do think the Chiefs have done a pretty good job um, because, you know, they've not had a great running game or not had a, a stellar running back, but yet they pick up Pacheco, you know, and he becomes the starter this year and he looks every bit a top running back and I think he'll probably do the same again next year um for much of the season their receivers haven't been good but I thought Rushy Rice has been really good um and again with another year in the league could become a a top player so I think 
there's always chances. There's always a chance when you have Mahomes in the same way there was always a chance when you had Brady or always a chance when you have Rodgers because when you have the very best quarterback in the league that has done it in clutch moments, you give yourself a shot. But I, I do think they're going to need to add well in order to to maintain because other teams are going to be adding as well. You know, if Miami... I mean, this is all ifs, buts, and maybes. But, you know, if Miami had a few good players, if the 49ers had a few good players, if the Ravens finally figure out how to get over the hump in playoffs, you know, there's all these teams that arguably were better than the Chiefs throughout the season. And it only takes, you know, the Chiefs to slip from the number one spot in their division. And, you know, that could happen. I mean, let's say that the Chargers have a resurgence under Harbour or, you know, other teams come from somewhere, you know, that there's teams going to come for them. So what they can't afford to do is let that mentality slip, let that work slip. And I think what they can't do is forget where they were early in the season, because I mean, we're, we're going to watch it in America's games when like JB says, Taylor Swift does does the uh, intro and theme music but um to America's game because they weren't good for stretches of the season but they overcame that adversity they worked through it they just figured out who they were as a team they figured out that they weren't the team that they were last year or in previous seasons and got on with the task in hand and made what they could of the season so um there's always a chance for them but it's the same chance that 30-odd other teams have every year to get themselves better and to win that big game. So um, they cannot let standards slip because, yeah, there's plenty of teams coming for them. I think, I mean, first we'll just talk about Miko Hardman because obviously I think, Aldrin, you are talking a little disrespectfully there about someone who joins Matt Snell as the only person in a season to both play for the New York Jets and score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And there's who only thought the, who thought a Jets wide receiver was going to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> Not me. Or do you, just on a complete side, but do you see the interview, like post game interview bit, where Mahomes said Hardman didn't realise he'd he'd scored the winning touchdown. He thought it was just a thing, and they'd just carry on and finish the quarter or something like that. Yeah, um, I know because he didn't like like I saw him and it, didn't he just launch the ball or something? I'm like yeah. you just caught. The Super Bowl winning touchdown pass, you're going to keep that ball, right? And he was just like, happy as Larry, but yeah, there you go. Um, I think I think you make an interesting point. Um, I think you've made an interesting point with the question, Aldrin. There is a lot you've talked about there that is relevant. I think from my point of view, was, you know, on any given Sunday, anything can happen, but you have to beat the teams in front of you. And the Chiefs didn't always do that this season, but we're talking about them being Super Bowl champions because when it counted, like in previous seasons, they did. Do they have questions? Yes, but every team in the league has questions. Like the 49ers have questions they're going to need to answer. The Lions, the Ravens absolutely do like you've been talking about. Like my Steelers, Rob's Arizona Colts, no, sorry, Arizona Cardinals, your Indianapolis Colts, getting ahead of myself there. Um and this is now the time where you try and answer those questions. That's what the preseason and the draft is for. But ultimately, the Chiefs have the edge, in my mind, on every other team in the league because the Chiefs have solved the most important position in football, and that is the quarterback. 
because until I see anything otherwise, and nobody has shown it so far, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. And while you've got him, you've always got a chance. So yes, it's going to be difficult for the Chiefs, but I would have more faith in them than any other team in the league, annoyingly. Yeah, I I think my closing point is ultimately my start point. I think they have very few holes to fill, bizarrely. I think at cornerback, they're good. Um, I think Sneed and McDuffie are great, particularly look great in the playoffs when you really need them to, like you've just said, JB. I think defense, generally, they're hungry, and I think Spags does a great job with them. And on offense, I think wide receiver is not a dreadfully difficult area to try and upgrade. You know, is it is it possible? Yes. The draft might even give them something. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's there's a number of things for me that make me feel that the Chiefs could be good again. Um, but yeah, JB, maybe you've just landed on it. Ultimately, Mahomes is it, isn't it? Mahomes, ball in his hand towards the end of the game, ball in his hand on a crucial down. You know what the guy's capable of. You know, he he finds ways of making mismatches. And in the Super Bowl, we saw it with his feet. You know, it was it was phenomenal. And and you wonder, just like you said about when it matters and the, the whole Dan Fouts quote, you wonder if he could have done that a number of times this season, but that the Chiefs are just wise enough to know that they're not going to have to win every game in October and November. You know, they're going to have to win every game in the playoffs. But yeah, can they do it three times? Well, of course they can. Um, but it's going to be fun to watch. They certainly don't look unbeatable, but they're definitely the ones to beat. So all of that wonderful Super Bowl chatter brings us round to the wonderful phase of any other business. So firstly, let's go to no Google all noodle. When I asked you guys to name the uh, top three, Franchises in NFL history that have the most playoff victories. So I told you that the Chiefs have moved to 24. Doesn't even put them anywhere near the top five, would you believe? Um, But I'm going to let you guys go back and forth with this till you get them. Again, playing along at home or in your car or wherever you might listen to the pod, just just shout them out. We'll hear you. So, um, Aldrin, you're going to kick us off with who you think is in the top three all-time for total playoff victories. I have two that I'm 100% on, and one that I'm 95% on. But it could be another team. I'm not going to steal the obvious one. I'm going to go for the Patriots. Number two in our top three, 37 playoff victories in their history. JB. JB. The San Francisco 49ers. Number one on our list, 38 total franchise victories. Oh, well, okay. Well, I, I was going to leave that one. I, I was going to leave the other one to you that I was pretty sure on, but the Pittsburgh Steelers is the other one that I, I had. Are not in the top three. Number five all time. not. 36. They were one that I was sure on. Okay, it's the other team then. Well, well, joint fourth, actually, but based on recency, you'd have them as fifth. Yeah, 36 all time. JP then, go on. The Mammy Dolphins. Are not in the top three or the top five and are barely knocking around the top (laughs) ten. 
The Dolphins are incorrect. The other team that I had listed was the Cowboys. Level with the Pittsburgh Steelers and not in our oh. top three. 36 playoff wins all time Jeez. for Dallas. JB, okay. back to you. There is one more. Now I'm reaching with a lot of these here. The Bills. Do not make the top three. Uh, and to give you a clue, the, the team in third, again with recency, it moves them third rather than second, are tied with the Patriots. 37 playoff victories all time. We continue with Aldrin. I went through all the ones I've written down now. The Cowboys were my backup. Um, oh. It's not going to be the Ravens because, you know, JP would have said that. Um, <laughs> oh, maybe. No. Ravens have only been around for a little over 20 years. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I, I was only being facetious just for JP's amusement, really. Um, I'm genuinely struggling. It's not the Colts, is it? I mean, that would be fairly inexplicable. But It is not the combined wins of the Indianapolis, yeah. Indianapolis and Baltimore Colts. Okay. JB? The Minnesota Vikings. Incorrect. <laughs> Come on, boys. There's only 32 of these. I'm really struggling. I'm, I'm struggling Broncos? to think of good teams. Not the Broncos. No, it's not the Broncos. Who's this going to be? I'm trying to go division by division and team by team now. So I've I've tried to put in who who has made Super Bowl the most times without winning one, and that's the Bills and the Vikings. Who else has won a lot of Super Bowls? We've already had the Cowboys. We've already had the Dolphins. Yeah. Yeah, and Patriots and Steelers. The Washington Commanders? No, although your thought process around Super Bowl wins is not a bad way to go. Uh, I've got another one, but I can't. Come on, JB, you go, because I won't get it. Right, the Giants. Yeah, it's a good shout. No! (laughs) We have now guessed almost half of the NFL. Come Giant, on. Giants have got four. Yeah. They do, yeah. The football the commanders have three. The Cowboys have five. The Steelers have six. The Niners have six uh, five now. Sorry. Yeah. Patriots have six. It's not the Broncos. Are you guys admitting defeat? You, you've got to give us a give us a clue. Give us division. See if no, a division, you don't even need that clue. I mean, that would have you... Well, clearly, we need line. the clue that you could give us might be the first letter of the team name. We'd still get it wrong. Come on, yes. so. The Raiders. Not the Raiders. Oh, my. Although, here's the clue. and, and the this won't need JB has anymore. got up and walked away. Here's, here's the clue, right? The Chiefs have just joined a very exclusive club by going back-to-back. It is a club that includes this franchise. Back-to-back Super Bowl winners. Okay, so back-to-back, the Cowboys have done it. 
the sorry the, the Cowboys have done it, the Steelers have done it, the Dolphins have done it, the Packers. The Green Bay Packers. How did we not get the Packers? I can't. Seven playoff victories in their history, including victories in Super Bowl one and two, and then uh, a piece for quarterbacks Favre and Rogers. Of course. What? Wow. What a pair of dunces we are. What a way to end the uh, podcast. <laughs> we end NFL the NFL season. So <laughs> with two well, idiots that don't know anything about the NFL. On that note. Um, I'll just do a bit of preamble to say that as we have reached the Super Bowl and obviously reviewing the big games, no, it, 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 well, no, 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 it's fine. Um, It brings us to the end of our season. We'll be having a short break before coming back for the draft or actually some pre-draft shows and then the draft, as well as coming back for training camp, OTAs, all of that stuff leading us to pre-season. So you won't be without us for long. Remember, you can get in touch by emailing us at clubdubpodcast.mail.com or finding us on any major social channel. Just search for Club Dub Podcast or Club Dub Football. Either of them will get you there. But before we go off into the night, there is a victory even bigger than the Chiefs in Vegas. JB, round out our year of podding for the 2023 season by telling us who was the champion of the playoff Pickums. Well, obviously, there's two things to discuss here. Who won the Super Bowl week and who won the competition in general? And, you know, uh, eagle-eared listeners will pick up on the fact that I'm making sure there's a distinction here because I won one of them. Uh, yes, as the only person on this podcast to pick the Chiefs, I won the week uh, 1-0, um, which, as you know, from our previous discussions, Aldrin and Rob you were tied going into the Super Bowl and you remained tied at the end of it, which meant it came down to the score predictions. And there is one point in it. One of you was out by four and one of you was out by five. And as a, we are recording this pod, I, I personally am live at Rose Towers for this so i can reach out and say rob i'm really sorry but congratulations james aldrin how does the tiny terror always win how does this happen every year it's the same in our fantasy league isn't it small every year he ends up there or thereabouts this is just an impossibility um congratulations aldrin Thanks, mate. Um, I would say it's because I, I know the NFL so well, but as the last five minutes have just proved, that is not the case. It's just pure luck and ignorance. But there you go. Well, well, uh, we don't put it down to that at all. Um, you are a uh, critical member of this podcast machine, highly learned about all things going on in the National Football League. And many congratulations, sir. So PB, our regular season champion, if I remembered that right? Yes, yeah. PB, our regular season champion. Aldrin, the tiny terror, takes the playoffs, which arguably Aldrin is... is it's when it matters, right? Important, right? That's, yeah. when, that's when it really matters, right? As the Chiefs have proven, that's when the results count. So, gentlemen, thank you for another amazing season. Thank you, Spotify, for having us. But most importantly, thank you to those of you in listener land um, for 
tuning in. Without you, we wouldn't have Feedspot mentioning us as one of the top 10 sporting podcasts to listen to here in the UK. So thank you for beating the drum for the small happy band that go around producing the Club Dub Football podcast. Um, Like I say, we'll be back to start to focus on the draft in just a couple of weeks, which will be our first podcast of the 2024 season, um, no less. It's the time of of year that I go into a cave and I watch uh, a lot of college football to um, brush up on who I think will get drafted first and then make the incorrect prediction with that too. So, um, so well, yeah, I think we can all be pretty safe on who goes first, quite who has the first pick when it comes Oh, I'm a hundred percent certain on both of those. Yeah. I, I know exactly who it's going to be. Um, yeah. I think if you remember rightly this time last year, I said that CJ Stroud was going to be the best quarterback out of that draft. And so I, I feel somewhat vindicated in that fact. Um, did although tied to this year's draft you did also say justin fields was a future superstar so i still think he's very very good well let's see if the chicago bears agree with you but but anyway we're we're treading on the toes of our (laughs) upcoming draft podcasts keep an eye out for those we'll put announcements out on social and all of that good stuff make sure you've got alerts set up on spotify or whatever channel you use to listen to us um but gentlemen a season of gold standard podcasting um wonderful stuff and many congratulations i look forward to catching up with you in a few weeks and doing a whole year of it all over again sounds like a plan thanks a lot this is amazing remember to subscribe and be cool tell your friends Thank you.